Welcome to another episode of Ideaprov. I'm your host, Mike Pedersen. I have a really unique and um, unique guest that we met online and kind of hit it off. And so I decided to bring her on the show. And I think it would be a wonderful um, experience to listen to what she has to say on our topic. So her name is Gungit. Is, am I pronouncing that right? Oh, yeah, that's correct. Wonderful. I was really nervous about that. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and where you're from and what's going on. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so my name is Gunvi, and currently I'm a product designer at Scotiabank, and it's been great, you know, being able to solve problems through that lens, um, trying to make you know financial uh, more friendlier and make it more, make it less stressful. Sorry, not more. Um, and on the side, because there's so much time, like uh, a few friends of mine and I have been working on Ellie, which is basically a dashboard that helps um, solve the problem of loneliness and uh, death anxiety uh, but other than that I recently today uh, my cruiser skateboard got delivered so I'm very excited about that um, and I have learned how to kind of um, grow succulents from like leaves that have fallen off um, so I'm very excited whenever the roots grow out of uh, those discarded leaves um, yeah but th that's how I've been spending my time and it's been kind of relaxing now that the summer is back yeah, especially up there in Ontario, I can't imagine it being too warm, but hopefully you're starting to break out of that right about now. Oh yeah, definitely. Like we had our first warm summer this weekend and I was able to go on my very first bike ride for the season. So I'm, I'm going to be more outside, um, definitely. Yeah, starting with the this cruiser, week. I'm sure that's, that's going to be another world of fun that you'll be able to kind of use, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And probably get back into tennis. Like they're just like, uh, with this pandemic, I've like more and more found like all these resources that were available already to me in my area, rather than going out of the province or like out of the country. Uh, so it's been fun like discovering that and using that as a form of kind of like, you know, entertaining myself, uh, keeping myself busy and probably like healthier too. So yeah, getting out and finding all those different, I guess, methods to keep ourselves energized during this time has been a little bit of a challenge. Uh, now you had like a really big passion project that you had just mentioned before called Ellie. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what's what's going on there and, and how that came to be and what's all what it's all about. Um, personally, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about, you know, death during COVID, um, how, you know, if your family member were sick and, you know, they, they in cases that they wouldn't be able to come back from the hospital there is no goodbye they just like ended and you're not able to have that last conversation it's kind of lonely at the time and you probably were never prepared for the situation either so um a few friends of mine like work friends um we participated in a hackathon at work and you know we had similar information from like different resources um we've been thinking about like covid that for like so long now um, and we kind of just brought all our ideas and resources together and Ellie came um, about that way and further we, we try to like we're in the process of like polishing it uh, much more so we can actually 
um, roll it out for people who can who will be able to use it and these could be the audience could be I think the primary audience is probably like the older generation who's probably you know dealing with like loneliness and they're probably they may be like terminally ill and they don't have you know people to talk about it because there's just so much um, anxiety but also like taboo around death um, no like it's very hard to talk about it openly especially for the person going through it because they don't want to like maybe upset the other people they don't want to you know ruin their mood it's a very heavy topic so we're trying to make this conversation much more easier with Ellie um, but other than that even like younger people who want to become more comfortable with it um, with you know the idea of death um, they can join the platform to kind of understand more um, of what is to come and it's not just about uh, the logistic sense of like death you know you may have to write a will you have to you know um, save all your passwords and all that information but it's also about you know feeling good like ending it and on like good terms um, being okay with wherever you are right now and it's been a very interesting journey and I am very excited that we're getting closer to kind of like, you know, developing it and pushing out into the world. Wonderful. That sounds... And you know, you, you bring up uh, a really good topic because it's strange, like, nobody really wants to talk about it, right? Unless you're talking about, you know, some people jump into like what happens after you die and you go to that, that whole conversation. But as far as like the last arrangements, it just brings up a lot of anxiety for people. Like nobody really wants to do that. So to kind of create a platform um, for people to discuss it. And so with that, is it something that you take care of the logistics and there's a there's a more personal component like there's other people like a network to talk to and, and, and whatnot in there as well yes we would be focusing on like both of these um i guess tracks um but yeah the you know like we did so much research around even logistics and it's crazy how expensive it is to actually die um it, it's it's mind-blowing plus, plus like when you're when your family member is in that situation and you go to kind of make these final arrangements you're in like an emotional and vulnerable space it's easy to you know other people take advantage of like you know how the the stuff that they're selling to you it could be way more expensive than it needs to be um and they're not just like one way of like making final arrangements like mine i feel like you know i i think about my death like more often than i used to but i'm like maybe like i don't want like a funeral maybe i want like an end of the life like a party like go enjoy like i had i lived a good life i want to give look you know live a good life and um, I want people to remember me like that, you know, it's just like death is not bad for me It's just making space for like new things um, and um, There is a deadline to everything. There's like an end to everything and that's just like a good cycle. It's a healthy cycle um, Of course, like I'm not saying that, you know, unnatural <laughs> deaths are like uh, Good, but it just like when it's time like it like you know you should be able to let go of things and then become coming to terms with that as well i think is a very important piece to to the whole you know the topic yeah it's kind of coming to terms with with what it's going to be like what your final arrangements yeah. might want to be some people might just want to have all their loved ones and have a party on the beach or something like that and just you know kind of looking to that and not having that taboo or stigma of it being a negative experience like make it positive like go out with a bang almost you know um so this is i could see this definitely being a platform that could really um 
galvanize people and just kind of get get the conversation out there, which will kind of remove the tension around it, I guess you could say. So when we're talking about, you know, removing that tension and kind of galvanizing people around a certain topic, one of the things that, you know, brought us together as far as an, an episode topic that I think was really, I guess, going to be pressing over the next couple of years, I feel, is this topic of media, what's being put out there, not only on social. So our episode topic for today is oftentimes the media impacts our perceptions. How might we curb mainstream media to value, encourage, and promote environmental sustainability? So my first initial thought with this is in order to get the big power players involved, you're gonna have to make it, make it not necessarily okay for them to do so, but like where's their incentive, right? So if you're taking a step back and looking at trying to get them to focus on this kind of stuff, how do we open up the topic? And my first inclination is what I see going on currently right now. So people in social media, whether it's the Twitters or whatever, we'll get out there and we'll start saying, hey, we need to start looking at where our meats and, and produce are being sourced from, where our shoes are being made, how they're being made, you know, what type of, uh, um, what type of products that they're being made from. Do you feel like that's like a good place to, to start in the, in the conversation like this? Um, I think any start can be good. Um, it's like if you carry it, carry on with it, it, it can do a lot. Um, like I can think of like few examples, like we have like solved problems before with, you know, with the environmental issues that we've faced in the past, like the ozone hole, um, you know, there was like good narrative around it. Like, you know, they came up with like a good term and people were like, they could take like small steps, like not use like aerosol cans. Um, and now we have like a better ozone layer that the hole is almost gone or is it gone? I'm not exactly sure about that. Um, and we've done something similar with like plastic straws as well. Um, I don't completely understand the phenomenon and I don't know how we pick like plastic straws specifically. Um, but in any case, like it's a good start. Um, of course, like the drink, you know, you get with the with your plastic straw, it's still made out of plastic in most most cases. But there is some, you know, like we're we're trying to look at it. We're trying to kind of um, make better decisions. And uh, it's just that whenever these kind of uh, what's it called these solutions have worked in the past, how do we carry that over to like the newer narratives? Like you know, um, what about you know coral reefs? What about you know our consumerism? Like what's that? you know, the narrative, like the easy narrative that's going to be for like consumers to follow so that, you know, the bigger companies need to kind of like shift and pivot as well because consumers no longer and no longer okay with, you know, how we're producing things, how much we're consuming things. Um, and it has to come from consumer in most case. Um, but, and I see like there's a lot of like influencer culture um, that, you know, it kind of pushes a lot of consumerism. And I was recently watching this video um, of how influencers are impacting the planet. And and I think it said, if everybody were to act like an influencer, we probably need like three to four Earths to sustain ourselves. And that's like, that's crazy. That's just crazy. And 
um, there has to be that mental shift. Like, you know, it, are these products like actually bringing you happiness? Um, what ca- what else can you do if happiness is what you're kind of searching for? Um, and you know, we all constantly get this uh, narrative pushed at, pushed at us that you know, like buying things are not going to make you happy. Like it's it's kind of like very temporary. Um, so what is it like internally that we want? I think um, it has to do a lot with that as well. Um, and consumer reason is, is like a quick like fix on like if you want to get that little hit of like dopamine or whatever. Um, but otherwise, it's just like mostly affecting you is not going to help you in the long term and is gonna is really not helping the environment either. Um, but yeah, but I've, I've seen like other solutions as well, um, like, you know, turning waste that we generally would like throw away into turning into like products. Um, uh, I think there was this uh, company, I think in UK, who was turning like, you know, those uh, pop can little things on the top what is it yeah the little tabs on the top so they're turning into like handbags um and these are these are going for like like ex- these are very expensive bags but like there's like a demand for it and there's a market for it so it's like working out um and i really like how a lot of companies are shifting towards like you know re- reusing this like i let like garbage um uh, mm-hmm. and turning into products and i think there's like there's i I've, I've been seeing like a lot more of that and i'm very happy to see that shift and even like consume consumers or even influencers you know promoting stuff like that um so that it, it's kind of become like cool and more and more people would want to look into products that uh, are produced in that way um yeah so that's been th- that's been very interesting for me yeah, I think it's it's the same thing. Turning that, I mean, there's a couple of points that you hit on really that that I want to touch on. One is that that garbage to products because I know that I've bought um, recently um, little plastic, little spoons, right, for for my little one, but they're made out of plastic jugs. So I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense, right? And there's a whole bunch of other products that can be done. And remember, out on the playgrounds, what they used to do is they would. Um, they would chop up and, and chew up like old tires, right? And make it so that way it would be soft for the kids to the kids to play on in the playground. And I feel like I see these things all the time, but I don't I don't I never feel like they're effectively communicated about the positivity that, that that's bringing to to the environment. I don't know whether if it's maybe just not sexy to portray, you know, but uh, because it's not like a big company that might buy TV ads or radio ads or, or out there all over the place um i think another avenue that you brought up that was really interesting is the concept of the of the influencer i was like could we leverage some of these people to promote the environmental change right um like one that i always kind of look at is of course greta greta turnberg in in sweden huge into you know making a stand and and all he's doing these things but it feels like it it needs these massive amounts of, of people to generate this stuff. And I feel like if one company just makes a, a, an easy change and says, hey, I want to use this product instead of this one, um, we can save X amount of dollars. Now, a lot of it comes down to finances, right? You know, companies want to make these big money. But I think the, the one that you brought in is if the customers and consumers of these products start requiring more 
healthy environmental products, the companies will almost have to follow, right? I mean, if, if they still want consumers, if they still want to sell their products, they're going to have to figure out a better way to cater to those customers if they're going in the environmentally friendly route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like most companies, more than anything, they care about money for, you know, they need to run a company, they need to pay their employees, like all that, you know, it makes sense. It's part of the business model um, and how it works. But um, I think it's not until like consumers are like, oh, no, we don't we no longer subscribe to this. We no longer want this. The companies would have to shift because they are not able to sell their items or products or services or whatever they're doing. Um, and oftentimes, like if, if, if a company does want to shift, um, to like more sustainable kind of business models is very expensive for them. You know, there, there needs to be like a little bit like a back and forth between the consumer and companies at all time to kind of create that balance of like supply and demand. Um, but I was listening to, uh, not even listening, I was reading to this book, it's called like Donut Economics, very highly recommend it. Um, and it talks like about economies like, you know, almost like plateauing and needing to, like they need to plateau at some point. You can't just like, it, the GDP can't keep on rising because that just like you require so many resources for it to kind of, you know, continuing to churn that money all the time. Um, and it's not sustainable. Like um, there was another point um, in that book, um, you know, how like there's this narrative that, you know, most of these uh, first world countries have become like more sustainable over time, like they're cleaner and they've like figured mm -hmm. out everything. But for them to get to that point, um, and if I, if you know all the second and third world countries were to do it again, they would need like a lot more earth. <laughs> it's just not a good way to do it. Um, we often like you know ship our garbage to other countries. Like just because we don't see it doesn't mean like we didn't generate it. We generate a lot of garbage as like first world countries. Like um, food waste is like it's like the stupidest. I feel like it's the stupidest problem. Like you know, there's a lot more that we can do with it. Even with like. Um, I think biofuels, of course, like it's very expensive um, compared to like gas prices. Uh, but other countries where, you know, where there are limited resources, like they would turn, you know, discarded fruits that they couldn't sell at the end of the day. And they would go into like a, this facility and they would turn it into like biofuel, which can, you know, which is like helping um, provide electricity with like street lamps and whatnot. Um, so there is that kind of like, um, in those countries, if it feels like there's like almost like a shortage of like resources, so they have to come up with like very creative ideas. And this is low tech; it's not like high tech. And we also we also have this narrative around like you know low tech being like oh it's not it's not good enough like you know um, it, but like it's like the best like the most beautiful form of like genius. Um, yeah, people you get know? so enamored with with the high tech stuff, the the cool, fancy, shiny toys of of um, invention and innovation that they forget. Like oh, yeah. not everything has to be there. Um, one of the ones that always gets me, and I'm sure it probably gets a lot of people out there, is we have this massive issue with food waste, like you talked about. But we also have this huge issue with people going hungry, and I'm like, how how is this not solved yet like this it seems and i'm probably pretty naive to just think that you can just put these things together and like you'll solve this magical bubble with rainbows and unicorns like, that's not gonna happen but i also feel like if 
all, a lot of these food manufacturers will come up with better sustainable ways, like, and then intertwine with some of the social good projects in regards to that. Like you could potentially solve both of these problems at the same time. It could be complicated. There might be some money involved, but I would think that there would be some really positive PR that could come from these companies that are doing this um, that would help people maybe buy their products. So I'm thinking, you know, the Kraft Foods of the world, the Nestle's, the, the um, you know, the big, big conglomerates that make you know, half of the foods that are in grocery stores and say, hey, listen, we partnered with this social organization and now we're feeding, you know, 440,000, you know, hungry kids every year because of, we adjusted our supply chain. Like, there's going to be some people out there going to be like, okay, that's a social cause. Like, I, I'll support that. Like, and then they would buy their products. Like, you'll get that return. Um, is that just a hyper glossy rose-colored glasses theory? I'm not sure. Because um, I'm not sure how to actually solve this. Like, food, like I haven't read much about it. Um, but like you know just like looking at all the food that's left over at the end of the day at like any restaurant and it just getting thrown away um now there are like few companies that you know kind of collect that and give it off to like soup soup comp soup soup uh what is it called the uh, um the homeless shelters and whatnot they're just because like it feels like there's less money to be made in some cases or like you can say like oh this is not gonna be a sustainable model like you know um it just like thrown away. It's like it's almost just feels like that problem is just not worth solving because you're not benefiting economically, um, and it it's hard to do that if you're not um, you know financially sustainable to go get into that uh, mindset. Um, so there 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 does like just based on like how you know economies work and you know how we need to sustain ourselves. It's just like the business model almost needs to be there like there needs to be like the financial incentive every single time um and talking more about you know like having branding or like presenting a company in a way that you know consumers um can connect with you know i see a lot of labels um like you know vegan or um vegan leather and there's like there there, there are a lot of these terms that I would kind of like you know endorse that but then when you look further into it it just feels like it's just language that they're using to persuade you that this is actually sustainable but when you look at it um, you know uh, leather is probably more sustainable than you know the fake leather or the vegan leather that's kind of like uses so many chemicals uh, to you to produce um, so yeah there's like there's there like a lot of companies tend to use this narrative but like i don't know if it comes from like oh we want to make things better or like oh it's just one way to kind of sell uh our products to more people um because there is kind of like you know like some companies are like oh this is this this product is called like oh like green company but like that's just their name <laughs> that doesn't really mean the product is green <laughs> um and people fall for it i have fallen for it um have you ever come across like going to like a grocery store like i barely see anything um that that is like oh sustainably made sustainably packaged like even finding like organic produce is like so much more expensive um yeah. right yeah um, it, it's it, the, 
the time that I saw it the other day was I went into Whole Foods and I was like, ooh, I'm gonna get me some tuna to make some, you know, tuna sandwiches or whatever the case is. And I saw on the actual, the can it was said, you know, sustainably, like wild, or was it hand-line caught um, tuna? And I was like, okay, this feels, you know, uh, the packaging was there, like it had the story on it as far as whatever. And I was like, okay, this seems sustainable. Like I'm gonna go for this tuna, right? And it, it was like three dollars. I was like, okay, it's not ginormous, but comparatively speaking, at the other places where it was mass mass done, it's sixty nine cents. So, like, in order to buy something that's sustainable, I have to pay two, three, four times as much. Like, that doesn't give me the exact incentive to try and buy the healthier options. The same way like you're talking about with the organic produce, they step an organic sticker on it because it doesn't have the pesticides and et cetera, but then I have to pay double the price? Like, it, that's that's backwards, if you ask me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so like, how do we fix that model, right? And a lot of it, of course, like we've talked about before, is just quite frankly, greed people want to make the most money that they can and the businesses try and do it as well so that way you know ceos can make billions and you know take care of their shareholders etc etc so speaking of that financial model that, that you talked about i was wondering if there's a way that you can incentivize them by doing the same things right so that so from a big business standpoint they want to increase their profits well one way is to, of course sell more things at higher margins but the other way is to decrease their expenses. So would it be possible if we, from a legislative standpoint, introduced taxes or measures in which they could get write-offs for investing in sustainable ways of doing business? For example, tuna or farming or something like that. If they say, hey, listen, we're only gonna turn over these fields X amount of times, which is going to make the fields be able to yield produce for an additional 30 years than what would be currently going on now. With that, we're going to give you a million dollars off your taxes every year that you do that. If I'm a business, I might not make the profits, but at the same time, I'm still getting the money back because I'm not paying as much in taxes, you know, per year from a business standpoint. Um, of course, the model in the specific finances would have to be decently significant, but I would think it would at least get the attention of larger businesses that produce a lot of either the food or the consumer products that we um, that we purchase in an effort to get them to think in that model because, hey, the, there's incentives there for you to use in order to be better as a company. Yeah, like penalizing them almost uh, to, to just, yeah, the more garbage you create, the more you pay for it. Because um, mm -hmm. like oftentimes, like companies like Shell, they try to, they often just leave all their garbage um, behind when they leave the site. Um, they're notorious for that. Um, and even like, you know, what if, what if you just made like unprofitable to make that much money? Um, we don't have a cap on like how much a, a company could make. Um, and is that like, um, like how, I wonder like what would need to happen for that shift to happen? Um, is it just like how, how much, like how does, how does the government profit for that? Like what do they lose if they, if they kind of put a cap on like each company, like how much they could make? 
um, and if if that could actually help um, with um, how a company functions because um, oftentimes like you know um, is the more the company becomes successful almost and and they might be taking shortcuts in some sense to increase their profit margin um, is that something a government can kind of like limit to put more responsibility on them um, maybe like calculate how much carbon they're producing and you have you watched that movie in time it's like with Justin Timberlake. So basically, every every person in that movie, like the characters in the movie, they have like a like almost like a watch like in their skin, and the more and, and it functions as like money. So you work, you get like more time. You can live. If you run out of time, you pretty much die. Yes, um, wait a minute. I did see that. That was a neat concept. I remember that because like you work and you got more money, and then depending on other things you did, like if you did drugs or whatever, like it, you would lose you would lose time off of your watch. I know. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, what if there was like a carbon tax like that? Like, of course, I'm not saying like if your carbon tax is like too much and you just like oh, you, like government just like you know makes you disappear like overnight uh but like just just making individuals more kind of like aware of that too like um i'm sure my carbon footprint's like very very high um i i try to um live a responsible life like but it just like it's so much more harder because i don't know where i am with like every product i buy um like the skateboard that just came in today i'm not sure how many trees may have been cut down i'm not sure like you know what kind of materials were put into this what about the wheels i'm sure like this was very expensive for the earth to generate but i can't tell and it's not in my um kind of like i'm never given that information like that 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 information is never presented when i go through like checkout experiences so i wonder like if if that could hinder or like help me make more informed decisions do you see that as something that, you know, that could affect your decision making at like checkout experiences? I think it would because it's funny that you mentioned that. I watched a, um, a documentary on water and pretty much what it was saying is there's, you know, everybody thinks the earth is 70% water and we can just, you know, um, take water out of the oceans, you know, take, remove the salt and giant desalination plants and we'll have water forever. And it's just not the way it works. And so pretty much what they're saying is unless we come up with a, a way to do that on a massive scale to, to create millions of gallons of fresh water from the oceans in the next 30 years, we are essentially working on 1% of the Earth's fresh water, which is crazy to me. Um, and of that 1%, I think it's like only... 10% in developed countries have 90% of the water. So hence why, of course, there's not water in you know, Sub-Saharan Africa and all these kind of places. But I say that to say that in there, they were saying that the true cost of water isn't reflected in the goods and services that we get on a regular basis. So you're talking about manufacturing plants and um, grocers and food producers and stuff all the times that they use water to you know wash off equipment to clean equipment to um to give to uh 
feed cows or whatever the case may be, whatever the use, that you use water for, all those water is not factored into the final cost of the product. And they said if it actually was, everything that you buy from the processing of cardboard for the boxes at the grocery store to um, the, like you talked about, the leather and like washing that off to make it smooth for handbags, all those kinds of things would literally skyrocket the price of our goods and services probably like three to four times what it would normally be if we actually calculated the water as a resource, like a finite resource. But most people don't think of it like that. It's just like, oh, it's water, it's never ending. Not really. And so to get people to factor in what the actual cost of things are, I think would be mind boggling for people. Like you were talking about like the, you know, the um, the the board that, that you have, like, how many trees are you saving? If we had an idea of what that might be, I know I would shop more responsibly if it said that potentially right there on the package to say, hey, listen, you're buying a bicycle. This bicycle is expected to last you seven years. Um, but by doing so, you could be saving, I don't know, $16,000, um, worth of money, improving your health. And of course, on an average, let's say you drive 15,000 miles a, um, a year, if you were to have a vehicle instead of, instead of that bicycle, that would save, I don't know, 40 metric tons of carbon going in the ozone layer. I'd have a serious, yeah, unless I, yeah, I'm probably buying the bike, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think if more people were aware of all the different benefits and all the things that we're accustomed to it would change the habits right um one thing that's coming up for me is um, a couple of years ago when everybody was buying these huge suvs and the hummers and all these kinds of things and it's like the amount of gas that was used and the water that was in you know part of that you know, the gasoline or the manufacturing of those big enormous trucks and stuff like that yeah they only got like nine miles to the gallon like, but imagine if on that particular Hummer, let's say, it says, hey, during the life of this Hummer that will last, it's going to create 50 metric tons of just smoke and smog and stuff. And that's just one person. That's wild. People, people, people look at it differently, I would think, if they just had the knowledge. Is that yeah. knowledge being and suppressed? Like I don't know. Yeah, and I think you hit on an interesting point. Like, um, you're talking about, like, the cost of, like, um, you know, the extra kind of waste that we're creating without knowing. Maybe like, you know, maybe for this uh, person who owns this Hummer, you charge them, you you just like, I'm just making, <laughs> in this, I feel like I'm just talking a lot about like, just make people pay more, just like penalize them for everything. <laughs> you know, this is all, you create this much garbage, you pay for it. You pay for it on top of the gas you're paying for. So you make these like bad products even more expensive. So they have to go for like, you know, the better products that, that are created more responsibly. Um, and I feel like, you know, when you, like, like it's hard for companies to kind of shift in that sense of like short term so that they're saying like oh we did create a lot of garbage so like you better be aware maybe you don't want to buy it because like we did this 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 um i don't think this is going to be there in their interest but maybe like a third party you know maybe like a chrome extension or something like that so whenever you're on a page maybe it analyzes we have such great technology let's put it to like you know good use um 
analyze this product uh tell me like what you know the, i'm looking at the skateboard but like tell me like how much waste is probably produced like you know on average creating like a regular skateboard um and and you know there's enough data enough specs on a page to tell you like okay this wheel was made out of this material um and it's made out of aluminum or it's made out of graphene whatever it is like that's enough data to play around with i guess like hopefully um i'm just making an assumption but um i feel like there's enough information to kind of deduce um the impact of a product that i'm buying um but yeah like i feel like that would be so much more kind of um like a for me at least like a good way to like be able to like make decisions at the end of the day um if i want to be more responsible about you know my consumerism um and i think that's enough like i even if like uh i'm not able to convince like other people around me like me changing and me you, you know looking at things a little differently and kind of making other people maybe question a little bit more um because they see me but maybe i don't like interact them about my lifestyle it just like it impacts like people around you as well they start to think about it um on you know by themselves and hopefully make like better decisions um, no i think that's a that's a huge point because that's the way change happens it's the way change yeah. starts right you know it's one person talking to another person about hey i made this one little tweak in my lifestyle and maybe i might have quote unquote incurred a little pain because it wasn't as seamless and smooth yeah. as it was before but this helps me do my part to make the world and life better for not only other people but the planet so not to necessarily put myself first but you know the single use plastics you were talking about the plastic straws are a huge thing that you know it, it went it went viral like it forced large companies to remove it you know the starbucks and the mcdonald's and stuff like they had to go to paper straws because people were boycotting them and all it takes is one or two people to kind of start that movement and people start to think hey yeah this maybe we maybe we don't need individually wrapped you know utensils that are in turn you know um one-time use and then end up in a landfill Exactly. Like, let's let's find a different method that we can use to reuse some of this stuff, or, or use them in a different manner, or um, recycle them better and create them. Yes, it might be might cost a little bit more, but you're gonna make that money back in the long run. And I think you know, to your point about creating that visualization for, um, you know, the goods and services, the true cost of goods. I mean, I feel like that would be right up the alley of like the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. Mm -hmm. This is what you guys do, right? Like, let's track all this data for every good and services come in. We could probably create a ton of jobs by doing it and have people like really calculate the true cost of things and put it out there. So that way people know, you know, what they're buying and how it's impacting the world around them. If they still oh, yeah. don't care at that point, well, can't really force people. <laughs> and shame the companies, you know, maybe in this Chrome extension is like, yeah, this company, garbage, <laughs> boycott, yeah, <and laughs> just added flavor, it. just more <laughs> added flavor to it. <laughs> and, the, and people will have a field day because it's going to create this whole other thing about, you know, cancel culture and what you should do with it oh, yeah. and, and whatever and taxing companies. But I feel like that's, that's there. So, um, one thing that I want to touch on real quickly towards uh, as we get in close to the end is I guess what is the what is the role of communication in all of this 
right? So we talked about a little bit of the individual, me making my personal choices, of course the big business, but what is the role of communication in the middle of it? Like, can is there a way that we can push more positive stories to make people change? We're not to say, I shouldn't say to make, but to encourage that change, to encourage people to do the right thing versus just general advertisements being hammered to us by our cell phones and TV? Yeah, um, so with like going back to like the, you know, um, the plastic straw phenomenon um, and how it went viral, like I think like a lot of influences were involved. It was like a lot of memes being created. Like it was just like this information, you know, that's created that way is spread so quickly and it's just so much more relatable than, you know, you know like releasing an article or something like these might be these articles might be backed with like scientific scientific research and all of that but it just doesn't resonate with like most people uh memes help a lot <laughs> like it just like it's i feel like it's like almost the best way of communication if you want to get like the word out like much more quickly and influencers like a part of it too like um you know they they have like more and more like a uh, audience that pay attention to them and if they were to shift a little bit if they were to kind of like send the message out like you know i don't subscribe to this lifestyle what about these products so what about you know uh, living a more sustainable life like that could i feel like that could do so much so much um uh and it, it just kind of like i think it would be great help to like shift all of these perspectives like uh, in a much more like easier and digestible ways um, yeah, I, and I agree with you. Groups. <laughs> I agree with you, and and I think there's there's always going to be a little bit of a hurdle to climb because, let's face it, Earth Day is just not going to be as fun a meme as like Taco Day or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, like yeah. people are going to share the stuff that's funny and lively and and all that kind of stuff. But it that's is true. Funny. That's true. But like I wondered, like with plastic straws, it was like I think it was like the photo of the turtle, right, with a straw up his nose or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe more photos like that. Yeah. Fakes. Be fakes, but with animals. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or like the sea turtles, uh, with the um, yeah. with the six pack of coke like around, or ducks with the six pack oh, of coke yeah. plastic around their legs or something like that, or bathed in oil. You know, people just feel bad. It's mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well, let's make that Maybe. feel bad equate to change rather than you just feeling Maybe. bad for four seconds. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's, let's we don't even need these fakes. These photos already exist. Yeah, um, they're 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 out there. It's they're crazy. out. They're out there. Um, they just need to blow up a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get the right audience. So perfect. I think we got a lot of good stuff. I'm going to kind of summarize and wrap up all like the major hot points and let me know if I miss anything. So when we talk about curbing or encouraging mainstream media to look about, to look at things in a more environmentally sustainable way, um, we first have to kind of be the change because if we're the change, then big companies are going to follow. They're going to follow their consumers and what they want. If we decide to purchase environmentally friendly things, they're going to have to change their practices in order to meet us if they still want to stay in business. So that's a really important point. Um, The second one that we can look at is definitely looking at the financial structure to incentivize the changes for companies. So whether it's penalizing companies for 
making too much and making too much waste and you know affecting our communities or maybe it's tax benefits for write-offs for big businesses if they invest in sustainable models so that way they can produce more for longer those are two so we have to create that financial benefit and another one is from the communication aspect um, using influencers for good and helping them push the word out there and communicating and then also create a framework for the true cost of goods and services so that way people can make informed decisions about uh, the products that they buy mm -hmm. did i miss anything in there i think that was really good great i think we you know we got a lot of good stuff there um so Kinkita, I gotta thank you for your time, uh, sharing your insights and, and thought process with me. There was a couple of a couple of items I would have never I would never kind of touched on all by myself. So thank you for, sh for sharing your time and and uh, providing some some good wisdom for us. This was amazing. I had a great time. Good. Um, so thank you for all of our followers. If you want to continue the conversation, the uh, blog post will be up on the website in a couple of weeks. Um, and make sure to stay tuned after the break for our Idea Prava Insight. Hey, so for this Idea Prava Insight, I wanted to share with you an article from CNET about recycling electronics. I thought we'd keep it with the environmental tone of the episode. So in this article, it shows a lot of great ways on how you can kind of get rid of your old electronic devices, whether that's phone batteries, phones, cell phones, laptops, etc. Um, it'll show you how to back up your data, wipe your factory resets, what to do with old batteries, removing the SIM cards, um, how to recycle old phones, and so that way it can get into the hands of either you know our soldiers in the military or domestic violence victims that could help better use it for their situations as well as uh, certified recyclable places by the EPA for laptops etc so I thought this was a cool um, website to share with you so that way we could all reduce our carbon footprint until next time <laughs>